So good to see everyone. We have people from all over the place here. Lots of friends who've come to join us and celebrate with us. This is a big day for us. When you start walking with God, one of the things that you have to find out about him, one of the things you'll learn, whether you, someone sits you down or not and talk to you about this, there's something you, you'll learn about his name, his nature, is that there's always a delay, there's always a gap in every promise given, every prophecy given, any purpose that he puts in your heart there's always a gap between the time he speaks it and the time it comes to pass. And it's planned. <clears throat> it's intentional. There's a method in that madness that seems maddening to us sometimes. We, we want everything instant. We're the instant generation. We're the generation that taps our toe at the microwave oven because it's not fast enough. We're, we don't even want to go in the restaurant. Just, just throw it through the window and we'll throw you back some money and we'll eat as we drive. I mean, we, we just don't like to wait for anything. But if you walk with God, there's a lot of waiting. In different areas of your life, it's normal. It's a fact of life. He has a, a purpose in it, which we'll discuss here this morning. But it's just part of it. And you have to settle in for that. You have to know that. In fact, if you turn with me to Isaiah... Isaiah chapter 30. He talks about it here in such a beautiful way. A way that's come to mean a lot to me. Isaiah chapter 30. Look at verse 18. It says, Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you for the Lord is a God of justice blessed are those who wait for him so there's waiting on both ends. the Lord waits he delays and you see it all through scripture he gets Abraham on a journey, walking with him by faith. And then he puts in this incredible promise uh, uh, of, of having a land and having a people and having children and a nation coming out of him. And then it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen for years. And he's getting older and older. And his wife's getting older and older. And it gets to a point where it looks impossible. In any way you cut it, it's an impossible thing that they're going to have children, that a nation's going to come out of, that kings are going to come out of his loin. And God does it. He says here, it says, therefore the Lord will wait. Why? That he may be gracious to you and that he will be exalted. So in the end, people say, that was God. <laughs> There's no way those people in their weakened condition could have ever done that. It has to be God. And here we are in Pena, New York, thousands of years later, talking about Abraham who waited on God and waited for promises. And those promises came to pass 
because he's still being glorified thousands of years later that story still speaks it's it's still preaching God is still being glorified but it's not that he's mean it's not that he's hard-hearted or indifferent or playing with us he's being gracious he wants to be gracious to you and so he'll wait he wants to be merciful to you he loves justice justice is is when everything turns out right when the good guys win when when the people who are on the bottom rail become top rail when everything gets flipped around he loves that he loves it when when everything looks like looks like you've you're gonna lose and all of a sudden you come out and you win his chest swells he loves that he's a god of justice he delights in justice so he says blessed blessed are those who wait for him and so there's a lot of waiting it's just part of the it's part of our relationship it's part of our walk with him all through the Bible Abraham Moses Moses gets called he gets a sense of this thing going off in his heart he's living in a palace his people are living in a slum all of a sudden he gets this thing stirring up that he's called to be a deliverer for those people so much so that he leaves his grandfather's house I mean he was the grandson of the the greatest king on earth can you imagine the doors that that would open just saying well he's my granddad I'll just take this chariot, I'll take this piece of land, I'll, I'll do this, I'll do that. And he actually walked away from all of that because he had this sense of calling. There are people here this morning, there are people in this room who've had a sense of calling, a sense of purpose. You're called to do something. God's made you to do something. You have something beating inside of you. And it's frustrating because it doesn't look like it's happening. In fact, it looks sometimes like the opposite is happening. And that's what happened to Moses. He ends up fleeing out into the wilderness, and he gets to a place that he can't do anything. When the Lord finally comes and says, now is the time to be, I'm calling you out to, to fulfill what I put in your heart. He said, I can't, I can't, I can't even speak. I mean, he brought him to a place where the only way, the only person who's going to look good in this thing is God. That he will be glorified. He's good at resurrections. He wants, to, he wants to let it go to a place where everyone knows that was God. It wasn't because Moses was so clever. He had the right degree, the right upbringing, the right pedigree, the right uh, connections. It was God, it was God, it was God. He was glorified by waiting 40 years. He did it with David. Can you imagine this young kid being called out? His brothers are looking. I don't know if you've ever had that experience or not, but it's an amazing thing. And he pours oil over on his head that he's the next king of Israel. And then it's just setting in for waiting, a long, long wait. But when it happened, it was clearly God. And David got so into it, he said, I'm not even going to lift my hand. I could take this guy out but I'm not going to do that. I don't, want, I don't want my fingerprints on this. I want this to be God. I want him to be glorified. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And there's story after story. Elijah, he gets called. He gets called to be a prophet. He prophesies his first prophecy. Says that there's not going to be any rain until he says so. And then for the next three and a half years, 
He's sitting on a creek bed as the creek's, the creek's going down. It's not rising, it's going down. He's being fed by ravens. For the next three and a half years, he doesn't prophesy. It looks like nothing's happening. All he hears is crickets. Every night he wraps himself up in some bulrushes and, and just waits. Waits because God said, when you raise your voice, the next time you prophesy, it's going to rain. And God is glorified in the whole thing. Every promise you've ever been given, every prophecy that ever, has ever been come your way, any purpose that he put in your heart, there is a sense where you have to wait. And it's, it's in the waiting. It's in the waiting. It's not for nothing. The word wait, if you looked up the word wait in Hebrew, it actually talks about being twisted together or braided together. And here's what God is after. He wants to braid your will with his will. He wants to twist and braid until you become one. Your motives become one with his motives because your motives are either too high or too low. Your expectation is all out of whack. And so in the waiting, there's this an adjustment that's taking. He's just braiding. He's braiding until your motives are in sync. They're one with his motives. It takes time to do that. There's a braiding of your mind. There's a braiding of methods. We have our own methods, our own way of accomplishing things. And God has his methods. His ways are not our ways. His thinking is not our thinking. So there has to be an adjustment. And what happens is he, he braids, he twists. It takes time until your motives and his motives are synced. Your motives become purified. All the reasons you thought it was going to happen, they get lost. And in the end, you don't even care about, you don't even care about the original things you signed on for. All you care in the end is that God is glorified. You're, you, all you care is that that thing come about so that he looks good. And people are attracted to him. There's a braiding that happens. Our expectation expectation is a major part of waiting so it's waiting with expectation and anticipation and sometimes our expectations are too high sometimes they're too low god has to bring them up and he does it in the in the waiting some of you are my age and will remember uh, a television commercial that was playing back when you're a kid and most of the television commercial was the, the, the opening of a ketchup bottle. And Heinz, there was a negative. Heinz ketchup was just too slow. So they actually made a commercial to promote that it's good that it's slow. That means it's rich. That means it's good. And they just showed the camera just showing the opening of that ketchup bottle while Carly Simon sang Anticipation. And as a kid, we'd, we'd watch that commercial over and over, and, and all it was was the mouth of a ketchup bottle. I'll tell you something you need to know. The anticipation of something is actually greater than the realization of something. It, it finally, when it finally happens, you say, you know, the best part of that whole thing was anticipating it. The best part of that whole thing isn't the fruition necessarily. It was the process. God changed me in the process. The anticipation really is the most, it's a reward in itself. It's the best part. 
you're waiting for stuff. I bet you're waiting for stuff. All, all four burners are waiting at different levels. You're waiting for things in your work. You're waiting for things in your marriage. Or some of you are single and you're waiting to get married. Even after you get married, guess what? You go back to waiting. Some of you are waiting for your health to be restored. When you watch Jesus in the four Gospels, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to watch and see where there's delays in, in the process. You see, even he has a friend, Lazarus, and, and, and he waited knowing that Lazarus had died. And, and, and there, his sister saying, you could have been here. You could have done something. This would have been a different story. His whole agenda was different. He wanted, he wanted God to, to be glorified. It had to get to a point where they knew this has to be God. And if you read that story, the most amazing thing to me isn't the resurrection. It's the intentionality of his delay, even though he loved that family. Even though that, that was his friend. He'd rather see God glorified than get right there in a, in a, in a way that we expect timely way that we expect he does it all the time he does it in my life in so many so many different areas of my life where I'm waiting and I get the fulfillment of it and it's all, this sounds coarse I realize this once the fulfillment comes it's almost like it's nothing it's it's not an over-the-top joyous kind of breakthrough kind of thing it's because I'm still waiting for other things and it was the process it was the best part it was the anticipation that was the best part. Are you being braided? Are you teaching your kids to wait? See, there's two ways to wait. You can wait with a remote in your hand where you're just biding the time. Then there's waiting well, where you're reminding him of, your pro of his promises and you're, you're pressing in and you're sowing in prayer and you're waiting by saying, I'm not going to compromise because I don't want to lose that. There's waiting well, and then there's just vegging out, passing the time. There's no fulfillment in that. Our kids don't like to wait. I, I, I love the fact that there are parents here who intentionally delay the reward of what the kids are expecting and wanting because they know something about the power of waiting and the power of anticipation and the sense of reward rather than a, in sense, a sense of entitlement. God doesn't want spoiled kids. You shouldn't want them either. I mean, it's an awful thing when they just demand, they want, and they hold you in hostage with their crying until you give it to them. They have to be trained because there's going to be a lot of waiting in life. There's going to be a lot of waiting walking with God. It's part of it. We want to see that happen. I remember one mother uh, up in Lava where I pastored uh, for a long time, and, and we saw the same kinds of things, just a life of waiting as a church and believing God for things. And there was this one mother, and she was trying to explain to her children why they needed to wait. And, and we had meetings. We had nine months of meetings where for the first two hours, we didn't do anything. There was no songs. There was no preaching. There was no uh, demonstration of anything. We just laid on the floor and just waited on the Lord come in and sit and just sit in his presence and wait. And then all of a sudden, things would happen. People would be healed and touched, and there would be a breakout. And that happened meeting after meeting, night after night, for about nine months. 
And some of the kids were upset with this, and they said, why do we just have to sit there for so long? Like, what, what's the purpose? The purpose is in the waiting before the Lord, he's changing your heart. You can't see it, but a change is taking place. It may be imperceptible to you, but to God, he's, he's definitely in the changing of life business. That's what he wants. He wants to change your life more than he wants to just give you everything that you want. And that's what should be in every parent's heart. You want your kids to grow. You want them to have character. You want them to know the value of earning the money for the bike rather than just getting it anytime they ask for it. So she was trying to explain. So I'm going to explain to you what this mother told her little children. So this is for your benefit. doesn't matter how old you are. This is, this is for your benefit today. She said, she said, Lord, how do I teach them? What, how do I explain what you're doing? And the Lord spoke to her, her heart and say, tell, tell them it's like making macaroni. And she caught it. She said, yes, that's exactly what it's like. And she said, kids, it's, it's like making macaroni. So here's how you make macaroni. There are macaroni moments that are in your life right now. You might be in a one phase of macaroni right, right today. You take a pot of water. It's best if it's cold. Put a little salt in it, and you put it on, and you put it on the heat. And if you stand there and watch it, it'll take forever to bubble. So you get busy doing some other things. You check on it every now and again. And all of a sudden, you see it looks like nothing's happening for the longest time, and then a bubble or two starts coming up. That gets you excited. The anticipation goes up. You let it sit there, and it's on high heat. And next thing you know, there's big bubbles, a few more bubbles. And, and it keeps going, and it's a pretty rapid thing starting to happen. And you get excited, and you take that package of the noodles, the macaroni pasta itself, and you pour that in the water, and it goes flatline. You might even stir it just for something to do. But it goes back to nothing. All of a sudden, there was some activity, but now it's going back to nothing. It looked like something was happening. Now it's back to nothing and back to waiting. And you're waiting. And you're waiting. And then a bubble comes up. You get excited. <laughs> There's a bubble. There's a bubble. And then a couple more bubbles come up. Then the water begins to stir a little bit. Another bubble comes up. You stir the water just for something to do. You can't see it. It doesn't look like anything's happened. You can't see it. But that pasta is becoming soft, edible, usable. It's being transformed very gradually. A change is taking place in the pasta. And then, of course, it, there's a flurry of activity, and, and all of a sudden, everything's happening. You're doing everything at once. You're looking to get everything. All your ingredients are starting to be activated until you taste one to see if it's ready to add, drain off the water and add the cheese. And, and it's still a process. There's a setting that has to happen even after that. Let it set for a little bit. But there's something about the process 
of, of waiting, and it looks like nothing's happening, but a transformation is taking place, and that's what God is after in you. It's not just about giving you what you want when you want it. He wants to change your life, and the change takes place in the waiting, and you hate it, but it's part of the process. And the more you realize how biblical it is, when you realize that every man of God, and, and you want to be the man of God, God's called you to be. Every man of God had to go through it. Every woman who yearned to be pregnant had to go through it. Everybody who wanted to be married had to wait. There's, it's part of the process. It's part of what God does. Because he wants to be gracious to you. It's not gracious just to give you what what you want instantly, anytime you want it. It's not being gracious to you. It'll wreck your life. It'll complicate your life. It'll ruin your life. It'll ruin your children for life. The wisdom of it is in the waiting. God's after that. Let me finish with this. One of the last things Jesus said before he left, before sandals disappeared up into the sky. And one of the last things he said to the seven churches when he was writing a letter to them, he says, behold, I come quickly. And Peter wrote 2,000 years ago, he said, there are scoffers who said, where is his appearing? He said he was coming back, but since the death of our fathers, the apostles, uh, church fathers, nothing's happening. He says, you don't understand God. That God is gracious. God's after salvation. He's after repentance. He's willing to wait if he can garner more in. He's after every, he wants everyone to make it in. But he said, there's scoffers. There's people who says, well, they always say, they always say he's coming. And Peter, he knows the heart of God. He experienced waiting. He experienced the fulfillment of amazing promises. He was one of the people that was said, that Jesus looked at him and said, now don't leave town because the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out upon you. You're going to receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes, don't leave town. And they go to this upper room, and there's no Wi-Fi. There's nothing on, there's no phones. There's no, there's nothing, there's nothing. You got three choices. You can sit, stand, or lay. Because there's nothing else to do. And it doesn't sound like there's much food. There's not much takeout, much carry-in taking place. And, and it just looks like they wait all day and then all night and all the next day and then all night. And it goes on for 40 days. It goes on and on. And he, and he said, don't, don't leave because... And he created an anticipation. And then all of a sudden... There was a stirring. All of a sudden, they heard a sound. It sounded like a, a mighty Russian wind. And they looked at each other, and their heads were on fire. And when they tried to speak, they spoke in languages that they never learned. And, and they became so intoxicated by the moment, people thought they were drunk. It was so over-the-top amazing. 
but it was in the waiting. The waiting, there's braiding that's taking place. Hearts are being changed. Expectations are being changed. Some are too low, some are too high. Peter becomes another man in the waiting. When the Holy Spirit come upon him, he knew what God was doing. Preach 3,000 people come to know the Lord in one message, one moment. It looked like it was slow coming, but when it happened, it was happening so rapidly, almost like macaroni moments. Peter knew this. So Peter writes to the scoffers who says, where is the appearing of, where is his coming? Where is the fulfillment of his promise? He said he's coming, but we don't see him. Peter said, you don't know him. He's after something bigger. He's after something wonderful. He's after hearts. He wants every generation. He wants people to know him. He wants you. He's waiting for you. He wants everybody in. Peter said, you just don't know his heart. Time is not the same with him as it is with you. But you need to know this. He said, there, there's a time in Noah when people thought it wasn't going to happen, and it happened. And he described critical parts of history where it looked like it wasn't going to happen, then it happened suddenly. He reminded him of that. And then he said, there's a time coming where everything here is going to be, it's just going to melt. It's going to melt. He said, you need to know that that's a reality. That's a fact. He said, then what manner of people ought you to be? Living in holiness and godliness, expecting him to return, being prepared, being anxious, being ready, being, being committed to his return, living differently. What manner of people ought you to be? If everything you're building, your business will be, a ball, will be ash, this building that we've put time and effort into will be ash. Everything that you're giving your heart to will be ash. What manner of people ought you to be? We need to expect. We need to let it into our hearts afresh. Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. He wants you. He wants you. He wants a feast with you. He wants to bypass our our concept of prayer and, and, and talk together face to face. He's longing for this. You have to believe that he wants it more than anything. But he's after a changed heart, a changed life. Are you expecting his return? Do you live as if that's a reality? Because it is. And we lose sight of it. We don't even preach about it anymore. It's too old-fashioned. It's too, too old such an outdated concept, but Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back for you, for me. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads, and then we're going to move into another part of our meeting here today. With your own lips, why don't you say, Jesus, come. Come for me. Come for my children. Not everybody I know is living for you. Come for them. Change our hearts, oh God. You wouldn't give us an expectation. You wouldn't tell us if, unless it was true. You're faithful. Jesus created inside of me a whole new level of expectation that it would change my marriage. It would change my motives. It would change my mouth. It would change my, how I live, how I conduct myself create a, a greater expectation in my heart of your return. 
than I've ever had before. Let those promises marinate in my heart until it changes my motives, changes my life. Father, there's things that we give our time to that are a complete waste. Help us. Help us to pull out. Help us to disengage so we'd live differently. Help us to fight for our marriages. Help us to fight for our relationships. Help us to fight for the lost. Don't leave us in indifference. Don't let us be callous. Don't let us become dull. Inspire us afresh, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're here to celebrate God's goodness. Not a building, but his faithfulness and how wonderful he does things. And one of the very first things that he spoke to me the day we found out that we could get this building is Isaiah 30, verse 18. He spoke to my heart. He said, I told you I would be gracious to you. And, and that has been a promise that I've been standing on for all that we've gone through and all the, even when you get it, then there's all these delays and all this waiting that takes place. Everyone who's worked on this project would know that. Um, one of our uh, uh, young people was praying and giving thanks to God and, and out, of, out of that came a gushing of her heart and Karina Smoker's here and she wrote something that expressed, just kind of capsulized a lot of what we were feeling. And Karina, would you come at this time and share that with us? And then we'll have Pastor Phil come and share some other things with us. So surreal to be here today, really. Just to see everybody here. It's so amazing. Um, many of you are part of the process here. And um, quite a few of you also walked through here when there was a hallway and, and rooms. And um, one of the last days before we were getting ready to put in the carpet i was here and helping to clean up and um when all like the ladders and everything was just out of here you could see really clear lines of like where all the different rooms were here um and i just started feeling um just this incredible thankfulness to god just for um everything that he had done and just thankfulness to everyone who had been a part of it and words just started um kind of bubbling up and um, this is what I have. It's called Wide Open. There once were walls throughout this room. The carpet now hides the marks on the floor, showing a trace of what used to be. Hours of destruction, followed by weeks of construction. This building, this room, a beautiful, tangible example of hope. Look closely as you take it all in. For in the little things as well as the big, you will see unmeasurable amounts of love and creativity, joy and frustration, solutions and challenges, perseverance and dedication, all testifying to a wonderful savior whose praises echo through these halls. So many changes here over the past few months, I would bore you to name every detail. 
but I would like to honor a few whose sacrifice we are so thankful for. Those who rose before the sun to work a few hours before going to their real job. To those who showed up throughout the day for an hour or two or seven. To those who came in the evening selflessly sacrificing their family time or any other activity more fun than painting, cleaning, mudding, sanding or troubleshooting. When food and coffee were requested, there was in abundance to serve those who served. Thank you to all who gave in that way. Young and old, working side by side with the same vision, a vision to create this beautiful space that we are now in, a place to worship, intercede, to make friends, and build friendships, to provide a place in the community where there is abundant hope, joy, and peace in the presence of God. Myron and Joe, I can't continue on without acknowledging your incredible leadership. You had every excuse to give less, yet here you've been through it all, giving 100%. Thank you. For those who gave financially, you helped make this possible. May you be richly blessed for your generosity. Piece by piece and wire by wire, life began to pulse. This space slowly awakened to its new identity. Here the spirit of the Lord dwells. To him is all the honor. Today we stand believing that here at 465 North Main Street, with our eyes we will see thousands delivered, healed, demons cast out, restoration we never thought possible, faith abundant, overflowing joy, spilling into the streets and flooding our community as we see revival spread. Let it be here as it is in heaven. Well, uh, Phil Real is gonna come and share uh, some gratitude that we have in our hearts. He, um, just when we bought this building, he was beginning a renovation at, at the Oak Hill. And so uh, two things were happening at once and there was a, a wedding in the mix as well. And, um, but he came to meetings and provided leadership for us and, and wisdom and, and uh, uh, he couldn't step up the way he had at other projects in the past. And Nelson uh, really knocked it out providing leadership for a discipleship house that we, we bought just a year before. And so um, these two men were, you know, my right arm, left arm, uh, to be able to do it. And we just didn't feel that they could do this at, at this time. It was asking way, way too much, expecting way too much. So Myron and Jolene stepped up, and it's really to their leadership that we owe so much. And uh, <laughs> tremendous grace, tremendous grace. Thank you. Phil will have more to say about that. But uh, I want to acknowledge Phil. He, he was here for the things that were the most important and was, and, uh, was steady uh, and tremendous leadership. So th thank you, Phil, for serving. So. All right, that's enough. Thank you very much. Uh, it's been a blessing. It's been amazing uh, when Pastor Penn mentioned right from the start that you don't have to be part of this. I want to be part of this, right? So, and we'll try to get through this, but um, 
it's amazing to see how many talents and, and just, uh, yeah, talented people that we have among us. Because I look back 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when, when it was uh, two families and Penn and Heather meeting in you know, the upstairs of our house or whatever, meeting in different places. And the Lord provided even in, in those days. But we had no idea. I figured we'd be renting space for the rest of our lives. We had no idea what, what 10 years can do, but um, I think we owe a lot to Pastor Penn for his, his vision for it all, his leadership through it all. There's nobody that's spent more time on their knees for Wellspring than Pastor Penn has, and so, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. I can, I can build things, I can plan things, I can, I can have ideas, but I'm not the guy on my face before the Lord many times. I've, I've done that, but... I don't live there like Pastor Penn does. So really a lot of this is due to him hearing from the Lord and his, uh, just putting it in front of us and, 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 and increasing our faith because I had no faith for this place, I'll be honest. I had faith to, to rent the rest of our lives. That, that doesn't require faith. That's nothing. But uh, Penn, uh, right from the start, he's been taking us places we, don't, we didn't think we could go. And so I'm grateful for that. Uh, thanks for your leadership. We're, we're, we're indebted to you, for sure. Thank you. There's another couple here this morning that showed up, and I was thinking about them the other day, just wondering if they would be here, but nah, they're, they live so far away, and they're getting older, and it's hard for them to make the trip anymore, but this morning in walks, uh, Elton and Nancy Erb from uh, Lowville area where, where Penn was from and so just so grateful for you guys because talk about people behind the scenes we many of you don't even know them but they've they've given and sewed into Wellspring for before Wellspring even was and so thank you thank you so much we're grateful for you Talking about faith and Pastor Penn again, he would, he would sit in the parking lot here years ago already. Uh, he was actually living here before we thought it was possible. We actually looked into purchasing this property a few years ago. We have a, a real estate agent in our, in our church and, and, and so we, we put him on it and uh, he came back with a definite no. It's not gonna be sold. It wasn't really being used for anything so we thought it would be available. The answer was no. And so we've, we've lived here, I feel, for years already, even though we just moved in a few weeks ago. So it's wonderful to watch. I came across uh, a story in Nehemiah, and of course this has been brought up before in this project, how Nehemiah uh, rebuilt the old Jerusalem that had been demolished. And so many things are are cool about that story but Nehemiah was an amazing leader but he did it all he was the pastor he was the the uh, the foreman he was he was the contractor he was everything but somehow the Lord was with him and he was able to accomplish everything with the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the walls and people actually followed him because he walked in integrity before the Lord and that I think is the amazing story behind a lot of this is we, 
we don't have much as people. I don't feel like we do. None of us are really that, that wealthy, um, but we have, and we're not that smart. I, I don't feel. Most of you are, at least I don't, I don't feel that smart most days. But, but what we have is, is a fellowship and a desire to work together to see something happen. There's nothing, I don't think, that we can't accomplish together with that type of characteristic and that, that type of mentality. But it takes sometimes us laying aside our own ideas. Uh, gray to me is gray. It's not very exciting most days, but, but look at this place. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, I'm not a gray kind of guy, but hello. Some people are, and it actually turns out really nice. So it's just wonderful to see us walking together. And there were disagreements. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't deny that at all. Uh, Myron would call me often, and you know, we'd start out a couple different places, but we'd end up, I would end up saying, just do it, you know, just go ahead and do it, because I knew he was a man of integrity and walked with that. And so there's a lot you can do with somebody if they walk in integrity, right? You can go places and do things with them. No matter how smart we are, how much money we have, we can walk together because we're, at the end of the day, we're like-minded in that regard. So Nehemiah 3 is a remarkable picture of unity, of purpose in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. Um, I think that uh, when I was reading it last night, there's, um, if you read through it, there's, there's like all the gates and everything that had to be rebuilt. And it was like one, one crew after another after another. You read like each verse is almost like a new crew coming on board to rebuild another section of the wall. This is an amazing story. And it was so much like we did here. Like you guys, many of you, would send your, your men here to work while you were off, you know, working on quotes or other things. And it's just a picture of like the rebuilding of the wall where we would, we'd have crews that would come in and do drywall and mudding and cleaning and painting and everything. But it was just one crew after another. And Myron and Jolene were trying to manage that whole thing. And, and uh, my wife, my dear wife, was trying to pay the bills. And she's like, there's no money for this. Like, we, we, no, we can't do that. We did. We did it. Because there was integrity and there was, there was a unity along the way. And I think the Lord's hand was in it because of that. He can, he can bless things where... where where people lay aside their own ideas and uh, go for a, a goal, a common goal. Amen? So, back to January, there were people involved that we didn't even know about at the time, but uh, Austin gets a call, I guess, from Bonnie Kerbeau, and she says, there's this property that's coming up for sale. And I see Bonnie is in the house today. Bonnie, we honor you we love you <laughs> we uh, we love we love what you've done in in Penyan you've been here forever as far as I know and we're just grateful for you as uh, just for being part of the community and and helping us you 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 really did and you 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 went to bat for us a, a few times over this project and so we can't thank you enough we're here because of you in a lot of ways. And so, and you working with Austin, I know you guys are competitors, sort of, in the real world. 
and yet you've laid that aside for the greater good of the community, and I'm, I'm grateful for that, both of you. Philippians 1.27 says, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And it goes on to talk about a unity among the believers that Paul was after. And I think that's what the Lord's after even today. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Amen? So I mentioned Bonnie. Austin, you've been, you went to bat for us so many times with permits and, and everything. And so there was a lot that Austin did behind the scenes that... Uh, we're grateful for none of us knew how to do it but uh, we figured out a way and thanks for thanks for all you've done um, Ryan Hallings at the bank I don't think he's here this morning but he was instrumental in getting us a, a letter to the hospital staff that we bought it from and so just so grateful for him and then when when it finally came to signing papers it was sometime in January I forget the actual day I believe but we signed the papers at the lawyer's office down the street and we're given the keys to the property and we drive up the street and there's a group of guys standing at the, at the front door waiting to come in to help with demolition. And it was a group of guys we, we knew from Bedford, Jeremy uh, Breckbill I think was in charge of it, but he brought a group of guys up. And so talk about faith or crazy, I'm not sure which. But it was faith, I believe, that yes, this is gonna take place. We didn't really know. When you go to the attorney's office, you hope things work together. They do most of the time, but uh, there's always glitches, or sometimes there's glitches. And so these guys, by faith, came up and were standing at the ready at the front door when we pulled in the driveway, and it was, it was amazing. So we walked through here, and as Karina was saying, thank you so much for that, that was amazing. There was a hallway back through here and this was about 15 or 17 different rooms in here. And those guys, within, what, a couple of days, tore out all these rooms and the drop ceiling and everything that was normal and made, uh, made it wide open. And we had, there were surprises along the way, things we didn't expect. There were posts in the way that we didn't expect, but we did it. And they were instrumental in doing that. So Jeremy, he was here last Sunday. Got to thank him for that, but he's not, I don't think he's here today, so. Um, and then at each, at each step, as I said, there were contractors. We have, I don't know, 10 or 20 contractors in our church, and so each of them has, each of them is, is skilled in different, in different levels, and so there were some that were skilled in demolition. Rodney's guys came out and knocked a bunch of walls out, and uh, that takes skill, right? So we're grateful for those guys. And then there was the Williamsons, Josh and his crews, and, and just, I don't know how many times they were in here, early morning, late at night, just doing things. And uh, Mail and Ash and his crew from Keystone, they did the stonework up front and the porch and other things. And so just grateful for, for those kinds of guys who, they might have not had work for the day, or if they did, they said, this is important and they sent their guys over. Many of them paid their guys while they were here, and so it's just a, a testament to generosity, and we're so grateful for you guys. Brad Stolchus did so much with the electrical, his head was spinning. I bet he would go home at night, lay on the pillow, and there was steam or smoke coming out of his brain. Like, 
I don't know how he figured out where everything was because everything just got tore out and then he was tasked with trying to put it back together. I don't know how he did it, but Brad, wherever you are, we're grateful for you. Thank you so much. There you are. I'm, I'm, I'm not able to mention everybody by name, and so please forgive me in that, but there were some key people. And then there's, there's, uh, there's guys that, that never say a peep and just come in and do stuff. Myron would probably call him up or text him and say, this needs to be done. And he'd come in here and do it at any time of the day. And uh, Andrew's one of those guys, Andrew Zimmerman. He's, a, he's, a, he's an amazing young guy wherever he's sitting this morning. I'm sure he's here too, but there he is. Andrew, we bless you. Thank you so much. He built a sound booth and lots of things. He rebuilt the sound booth and he, he just does it. So he, he, and he doesn't complain about it. That's the best thing. This flooring is amazing, right? This carpet was donated, well, not really donated, but somebody from Northgate Church over near Buffalo, um, let me get their name here, uh, Michael and Diane, I believe. They were down here to visit, and we're just amazed, and we blessed them, they blessed us, and they offered to, to get us this, this carpet at a really good price, and we couldn't have afforded it otherwise, but we're so grateful for them. I don't know if they're here this morning, but we're grateful for their, their uh, generosity. And he really went to bat for us and, and got it in here. And then uh, another gentleman, I think he's from their same church, right? The architect and engineer that we had. He's here, Anthony, Anthony James. Oh, there he is. Thank you so much. Uh, you don't know this, but we had no idea what we were doing. And so it takes somebody like him uh, to figure all this out. It was, it was a mess. And so we're so grateful for all you put into it. And he created some amazing designs and plans and really gave us something to work off of. And so we're so grateful for that. Um, David Hunter from Northgate. Yeah, he was instrumental as well in... in uh, and helping us purchase and give and all that. So uh, the, the whole fire system was, was uh, installed by a local gentleman too, by Peter Covert. And he, again, just one of these guys that just comes in and does things and, and has, a, has a knowledge that we have, we have no idea with that sort of thing. And so there was a few things like that that we didn't know, but we knew people who knew, and, and Peter was one, one, one of those guys, and he really uh, knocked it out of the park, I think. There's other uh, people that have been supportive, and they didn't necessarily come to work, although they did some, but we, uh, we have a great relationship with uh, the Penyan Assembly of God Church up on the hill, and Pastor Russell, he probably isn't here this morning because he's got to preach a sermon, I suppose, but so grateful for him and his heart for the community. And when you have a heart for more than just yourself, you can give. And that's what Pastor Russell has done. He hasn't kept it all to himself, if you, if you will. He allows his people to be part of what we're doing and to bless us. Smokers, I see you're here. Thank you so much. You have a good pastor. He's pastoring well. He's, he's, uh, he's just a good, he's, he's, he's a giver. Um, 
We're so grateful for him. So Pastor Russell, we bless you this morning. The carpeting was a skill that we didn't know we had among us until it was put to use, right? Brian King, wherever you are in the house, thank you so much for all you did. You're amazing. You're, he's, a, he's a genius when it comes to, to carpet and flooring. I mean, just look at this floor. It's, it's absolutely amazing. So thanks for all, all you did and for putting up with us through it all. Malin and Ruth, you guys have done amazing with the lights and the audio. Uh, we can't thank you enough. You guys, you guys are amazing. Um, Malin always needs more equipment. He can always do things better. But I like that about him because he's never satisfied with less than, he doesn't need the best. He just likes things to work well. And I do too. Right? We want that. We want, we want a sense of quality. Um, and so you've, you've brought that, and we're, and we're grateful for that. You guys do, do so well with, with all this that none of the rest of us even want to try to figure out. Um, I mentioned contractors. I know Jamie Golden and uh, Jim Davis have been in here painting. Uh, You guys are, you guys, I thought I was a good painter until I see these guys paint, and, and uh, they're amazing. They sprayed this, this ceiling with a black spray paint, and it, it, it was amazing. I didn't know that could be done, but you guys did it very well. Thank you so much for, for all that. I'm sure there's more. There's been many people who have donated from cleaning supplies to landscaping to marketing to signage, just the whole look of things, cutting down a dead bush out front. That was amazing. Uh, thank you. We're grateful for you. Thanks so much. Amen? Thank you all. Thank you, I wish everyone could have seen Kevin Kane. Kevin and Josh were here painting during that whole process as well. But, uh, Kevin was, had black face there for a little while, so. What I loved about uh, the project, some of the highlights for me were the kids and the, the parents who brought their kids here and let them get involved. It's something that they'll grow up with and never have uh, another experience quite like this when they're young and they can get involved and in seeing a church being built, it's a wonderful thing. Our young people, Jesse is our youth pastor and he brought our young people. They did all kinds of stuff, cleaning, hauling, schlepping, and uh, landscaping. Tremendous young people coming and serving. Thank you all who did that. Um, Yuri, hauling back and forth all the wagons for the scrap metal. There's just so many people that were involved in helping. Uh, um, Phil had mentioned about churches getting involved it's, it's um, there shouldn't be, but there often is some kind of a sense of competition among churches where you keep everything to yourself. You want, you want to grow and you want to be blessed, but you don't really extend that to other people. But um, the Assembly of God Church, Phil mentioned them. Zion also was this, in the same way. There's other churches who just really stepped up. Up in Lava, there are people who gave money and, and, and were praying for us. And all that is huge. 
The First Baptist Church, if we hadn't been given the keys to that place, we walked in there with, uh, uh, they didn't know us from Adam. And they give us the keys to their building, and it gave us a chance to grow. We met in the library, and Ken and Esther were, were in those meetings. Uh, you know, I think there were eight people to start with, and we got it up to about 15 or 16 for that first meeting. And there was, it looked like it wasn't going to happen. It, you had to have faith to believe this could possibly be a church someday. And everyone who joined during those days, that my, my gratitude is so deep because it, it didn't look like anything was going to be happening. But I'm so grateful for everyone who gave uh, to this project and, and believed in what we're doing. So, amen? Well, I've asked Pastor Nelson to come up, and uh, I'd like him to lead us in, in a prayer of dedication. We've, we've, as soon as we got the keys, we had people coming in here, walking the halls, praying, believing, and we've had times where we've given it up to the Lord. But I'd like to do that today as a special way of, of uh, marking this day as a day of dedication. Would you come and lead us into this? Um, it's good to see friends from uh, Brockport, Christ Community Church, they also gave. Uh, others have done that too. Thank you so much. Um, this is a wonderful moment, and I feel honored, Penn. There's uh, there's a few things that were going through my mind. One thing um, that I, I believe Jolene was mentioned, but aren't you thankful when people are given God-given gifts and they allow their use to be like they freely given? And Jolene, look around at the design. The colors match. These curtains, the fabric, everything looks beautiful. And a lot of those things were in Jolene's heart. And so cheer for Jolene. I know we have done it before. But I wanted to recognize that. I think it it's, it's just looks so beautiful. Another thing, before Penn even shared what he said this morning, this didn't just happen. It didn't. There's people that walked by faith before we were, right? And years and years and years and years ago, Penn and Heather and Phil Loretta, chose to walk by faith. I remember hearing Pastor Penn pray for this, pray for us before we were, before many of us showed up when there was only four. They saw things. That just makes me want to be a person who walks by faith when there's nothing that I can see but just choose to believe God. Do you want to be that kind of person too? And then there's multitudes of people who get to walk in your faith and because of what you've done they get to experience the goodness of God through your life I want to invite you to stand stand and if you if you raise your hands to the Lord I want to invite you to do that some kind of declaration of faith we just want to take some time and honor the Lord. Father, this morning our hearts are filled with gratitude. We're full of thankfulness for what you've done here in this place. For this building, for this property, 
We know it's a gift from you and it belongs to you. So together with our hearts joined as one, we dedicate this place, this building, this property back to you. Let this be a house of prayer. Let this be a house of praise and worship where our children for generations to come will learn to love you and learn to live for you and to walk in your ways all the days of their life. Lord, let this be a place of rest and refreshment where you bring people from all across the world who are hungry, who are thirsty, that they'd be rested, that they'd be refreshed. Make this as a place, as a stream in the desert where souls can be brought back to life and there's people that can be taught to walk in your ways. Lord, you've shown us that you are our provider. And now I pray that this place should become a place of salvation. It should be a place of deliverance, a place of healing. Lord, let it be known that there is nothing impossible with you. No impossibilities exist when you come in. Lord, not only mentally whole, make us physically whole, spiritually whole, healing across every way. Lord, we pray, let your kingdom come here. Let your will be done in this place. Matter of fact, I want us to pray it together. I'll pray, I'll pray this first and I want you to repeat it with me. Lord, build your kingdom here. Let your will be done in our hearts. Let's pray that all together. Lord, build your kingdom here. Let your will be done in our hearts. Let's say it again. Lord, Build your kingdom here. Let your will be done in this place. Father, we pray, fill this place with your glory. Let Pinyan, let Yates County, let this region be transformed because of the overwhelming love of God. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.